Hey guys, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice. I'm a behavioral psychology author and researcher, and what a pleasure it is to bring you this episode with Deepak Ori, CEO of Labua Hotels and author of the new book, A Bridge Not Too Far, where creativity meets innovation. This is the final installment in our seven-part series on the secrets of the unconscious mind. You see, I wanted to end this seven-part series with how these secrets can apply to the real world. And my guest today is the perfect voice. Deepak Ori is an extraordinary entrepreneur who applies brain power secrets in his personal and business life in ways that will inspire you to adopt a people-centered, innovative mindset. His luxury hotel group has properties in New Zealand, Thailand, and India. In fact, the Bangkok location, featured in the Hollywood blockbuster Hangover 2, which he shares in our conversation how and why this partnership came about. We explore unconscious secrets for designing for behavioral change and how his humble beginnings as a kid helped him become the extraordinary leader he has become. If you have goals, if you have dreams, then the secrets we're gonna share, the insights he's gonna share with you, you're gonna find them extremely easy to apply. Meet Deepak Ori. And oh, a quick note. We recorded this interview on Zoom, and although the audio could be better, the lessons are worth it. Enjoy. Deepak Ori, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you, Timothy. Really appreciate it. So we're going to talk about your book, A Bridge Not Too Far, where creativity meets innovation. And I'm really excited to share with our listeners from all around the world, especially because your background as an entrepreneur, a restauranteur, and marketing wizard is so fascinating. But let's start with a segment called Inside the Mind. Can we do that? Sure, please. Go ahead. So... Seven fun questions to know how Deepak Ori, the CEO of Labula Hotels, how you think. The first question is tea or coffee? Coffee. Bangkok or New Delhi? Bangkok. <laughs> we have to know why you prefer we have to know why you prefer Bangkok over New Delhi. I think Bangkok, uh, what I've realized is more happiness and uh, people are more conscious of themselves. They reflect on themselves. Okay. More okay. than in Delhi. Cricket or rugby? Rugby. Oh, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Meditation or prayer? Prayer. By boat or plane? Clean. Okay. If you go to the movies, would you rather see a romance or a drama? Drama. And then finally, lunch or dinner? Lunch. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Deepak. I'm really grateful you made the time to have this conversation. You know, your book is interesting for me because I think we grew up in very similar backgrounds and you know, what I was drawn to is the fact that you embraced the lessons of how you grew up in New Delhi. And uh, 
middle income family, recognizing that you did have some small luxuries. Tell us a little bit about what you enjoyed about how you grew up. Okay, so uh, this is two questions. I'll, this is one question, a very intelligent question, and nothing less is expected out of you, Timothy. So I'll divide the answer in two parts. First is, uh, I realized while growing up in a very humble background who I am. And actually, I'm lucky that I realized that very soon or much sooner than many of my peer group. So one side of the road was a very humble background and across the road were big houses. And we were told not to cross the road. I did cross the road. And when I crossed the road, (laughs) I got my first Coca-Cola. And then I requested the gentleman that I, can I see the bedroom? He said, yes. I looked at the bedroom and I saw the attached path. And I was like, I had never seen an attached path to a bedroom. And I asked him one simple question that when you get up from the bed, do you have to stand in a queue to use the bathroom or you can just go inside? He said, you can just go inside. (laughs) (laughs) So I came back and asked my father that what does it take to have a bedroom with the attached path? And I said, uh, you know, uh, mama, my mother would give me a squash where you had water. There was no ice in our house during that time, no refrigerator. And I had a chilled uh, fizzy drink, black in color. And I liked it quite a lot. And uh, I remember the name. I said, it's Coca-Cola. So what I realized very early in life in my subconscious mind, I'm a big fan of subconscious mind, actually. And the book, A Bridge Not Too Far, I created a bridge uh, myself between a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Though subconscious mind takes uh, a lot of credit for that, for allowing me to create a bridge. So somebody asked me, I was talking to someone and said, how do you create a bridge between subconscious and a conscious mind? So I said, Mm. uh, I teach at uh, Florida International University. I said, I have two sets of friends, one for Florida and one for the rest of the world. He says, uh, why so? So I said, when the alligator is running after me, the subconscious mind tells me to run faster. (laughs) And the conscious mind tells me to run faster than my friend. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so I was in a position to correlate. And that strength of correlating, looking at the emotions and behavior it's the biggest power a subconscious mind can get it. And in that, a very one minute of a second, the conscious mind takes over. And that is where I've been able to create that bridge. So you believe very strongly that you crossing this neighborhood bridge, you were being primed in your unconscious mind to appreciate things that were bigger things that offered more than how you grew up. So your exposure to to what was on the other side of the bridge was key to you becoming who you are? Uh, yes. See, uh, sometimes what the unconscious mind or a subconscious mind do it, you watch many movies because once in a while, my father would take me to a movie hall, no TV in the house. So uh, you see a lot of glamour in that. And I think in, in, in somewhere hidden in the mind, that prompted me to cross the road to see what is there on the other side of the road. And until yes. today, that helps me a lot. That helps me 
to cross the road to see what is on the other side. And what I realize is majority of the people, they do not cross the road. Hmm. I see. I see. You know, before we go a little bit further with this conversation, let's just make sure the audience is aware of your daily role as CEO. Let's talk a little bit about how, you know, how big your hotel group is and, you know, what the brand is all about. And then we'll come back to this part of the conversation. Okay, uh, that's also a very interesting question. I'll take a little bit longer, Timothy, because not every day I'll get the opportunity for me. Coming on your show is also crossing the road and not trying to flatter you. Okay, flat okay? Sure. Uh, that's a reality. So when we started Lavua, we never wanted to be a hotel company. We wanted to be a restaurant group. But our restaurants started doing so well because the restaurants were created on unconscious mind, a subconscious mind. And and a little bit of lips of a conscious mind. And I'll explain that later. Uh, so when we created that, the customers started coming from all over the world. And I saw that difference. There were difference in a bigger hotel companies where people from all over the world go to them. And the difference between Lavoie is that people from all over the world will come to us. Okay. In one single location. And then we started expanding. So one of the Ivy League professors from United States who came, we are a case study now, which is in Harvard Business Publishing and Ivy Publishing, said that we are McDonald's because people come, people go, people come, people go. The only difference is the average check is 100 US dollars minimum for drinks. The restaurants, <laughs> it goes until $1,000, okay? okay? So, so but all these things you create, you don't create because you are good in your job. You create because you have understood a better aspect of a unconscious and subconscious mind and how to relate to people, right from colors, right from perceptions, right from looking at their every need. Because uh, sometimes the people ask questions, how can you give a great experience to people from different nationalities? Every different nationality has one brain. And the brain functions in one simple pattern. The practical insights that Deepak shares about how he goes about designing spaces inside his hotel can be applied to many areas of your personal and professional life. 95% subconscious mind, 5% conscious mind. How do you create that bridge? Is something you need to understand. And when you understand that part, say more than 40% or 50%, you are winner in your game. When you think about your customers, when they walk in your properties, whether it's in Bangkok, India, or New Zealand, what do you think they are looking for in their unconscious, from their unconscious mind that they're not aware of? Because I think one of the secrets of any senior brand, whether it's Nike or any other powerful brand, is that I think Steve Jobs understood that most people are not aware of what they want. They're not aware of what is dormant in their unconscious mind. What have you discovered that people want that they're not aware of? Okay. So so what I discovered is people, first they want equality. Then they want recognition. Any part of the world, whatever it is. So they want equality. They want recognition. And they want a little bit of excitement. Now, excitement can be 
put into all these things. These are three common things. And then at different places, we add few other t- touches what they want. So we give them these three things. And when we give them these three things, so now I give you an example. So we are known as a vertical destination, the world's first vertical destination. So when people are taking the lift, uh, they take a lift to the 64 floors. And uh, as soon as the lift door opens, we have put uh, our staff in colorful uniforms, uh, bright colors. People look at that. Now you are in a cubicle, suddenly opens, you look at that color, then you see a voice recognizing them and guiding them. And once, oh, wow. and, and they just walk because they, they don't know what they're expecting. Many of them are first time. They just come out and the subconscious mind just go because suddenly the eyes and the brain click. Wow. Then a smile. Oh, I'm being recognized. Oh, wow. Then they start following. They see the elegance. And then when we take them, because we, we are at the top. So we have taken the view in a very, uh, right mixture, suddenly the conscious mind clicks. This is wonderful. And then again, the subconscious mind take over because they're taking the steps down. And when they're taking the steps down, everybody who's dining, looking up at them, there they get the recognition. The whole uh, world is looking at us. They feel like superstars. Yes. So that is the moment for them. So, so what we have done is, and, and this comes from a very simple line. And this simple line is called design and management of service processes. When you okay. put that, it is a very simple line, but behind this design and management of service processes, there's a lot of research of his subconscious mind. There's a lot of research when the conscious mind will click, the subconscious mind should not be rejected. And, and, and the price and the entry barriers, they, they feel very private because they see the people of their kind and everything, the equality. So the whole thing gives them a great experience overall. And, and, and that is why people are coming to us. So where other hotel companies are looking at the restaurant design, we have gone for an emotional design. Let's talk a little bit about where I want to just get into your mind. You've got a fascinating, beautiful mind. I want to talk a little bit about when you, as an early entrepreneur, as an early marketer, recognize the power of emotional behavioral design, because I studied behavioral design, but I want to know when you came across it and why do you believe in it so much? The way people treated me, is the way I decided I will never treat my people and my customers like that. Oh, wow. So that was my learning. And uh, my learning came from, I am being emotional, trying to understand people's behavior, where people's agenda was something different, or I was thinking at that point of time. So I, I took all that learning over a period of time. And I said, patience is virtue. And one important thing I learned at that point of time, and which is very important when we talk about the subconscious and conscious mind, endurance of pain. I, I'm also a human being. I have a heart. I have a soul. I have a brain. I also feel the pain, but I have a little bit more endurance than other people. And that's I what see. makes us different. You know, when you look at the team, you know, when you start to employ the technology and you go, okay, we're going to design the steps in a particular way. Uh, we're going to 
ensure there's a certain amount of exposure to bright colors, to prime the unconscious mind, to give people that rich experience and so forth. You know, how do you go about, is there a process? Is there a way to communicate this to your team? How do you go about thinking about executing on the practical side of creating this kind of environment? Uh, okay, so for the team, I've given them a rectangle. They can play and draw anything. And outside the rectangle, I'm a very autocratic person. So they, they, they have a democracy within their space. But if they move, want to move out of that space, there's an autocracy. So I'll give you one example. Most of the rooftop restaurants, people are charging money to go up. Now, why okay. they're charging money is because they said people will go and they will not take a drink. So we have lost that opportunity. So we are going to charge everybody, which is fair. So I use technology here. I said, I'm not going to charge. Let them go. So we put the cameras where uh, the photographs are taken and all our staff photographs have been put and that cameras have got the counters. So meaning our staff is not counted. Every time the guests come in and go out, he's counted only once. We have linked that with the point of sale, which is where the cashing system. So we know 2000 customers have gone, 1700 customers paid, 300 customers we didn't pay. We use that as an opportunity to communicate okay. with our team that this I is see. how we should be a little bit more cautious in looking forward. But we do not give, and I tell you how I learned this and you will laugh. We do not give that level of service to our customer that because you're not going to pay, we are going to charge. So I was, you know, this Dilbert principle. So, yes, the, yes. so it's, it's a great management lesson. So one company said, let us, increase the efficiency by buying laptops for our, all our employees. And suddenly mm. one of the employees lost the laptop. They said, tomorrow, every laptop will be fixed on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> so the laptop became the desktop. Yeah. <laughs> but they have put more money on that laptop because one person has lost it. So this is, so what we have blended is we don't want to break people's dream. That comes from the experience. I see. I see. What's interesting to me is that some of the greatest entrepreneurs like yourself, they trust their instincts about people and they experiment quite a bit. I mean, if we're being completely honest, people like to say in the entrepreneurs have all the answers, they have the perfect processes. But a big part of this is experimentation. You try it. You put the exposure. You put the camera there. You you know, you you tell your employees to line up a particular way. And if it works, wonderful. If not, you innovate. Have you found this to be your process as well? What is, how do you go about experimentation, creating a culture where people can innovate, where they can try things and don't feel like failure is the end? I think we, we, we do a lot of empowerment. We also believe in improvisation more than innovation because we are a young company. So if we start innovating and our budgets are limited, we'll be far behind. So we say, let's look at the best practices in the world and how we can improvise and adapt them. So that is one part. And certain areas which is not there in other industries, we like to innovate. So we do a mix of improvisation and innovation. Now I give you an example out of this. And sometimes our customers are very good. So so one time when we opened the restaurant, one of the customers came in with a group of eight or 10 people, nice suits, Italian cut, everything. They ordered the caviar and the champagne and suddenly it rained and they had to run away. $4,000 gone. 
we had just opened $4,000 at that point of time in 2003 was a lot of money from one table. Next day, a few guys came in jeans and they said, do you recognize us? I said, no. He said, you're the customer who ran away yesterday. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to charge you. He says, son, I want to teach you something. I said, what? He says, first, you keep umbrellas in your restaurant because it's outdoor. Second, you give a rain check voucher, meaning if it rains, you tell them the meal is complimentary and their next visit, give them two glasses of champagne. I said, then how will I do business? He said, 99% people will <laughs> fight to pay the bill. Until today, 100% people have paid the bill and it is 19 years down the line. And that gentleman was working for a very big logistic company worldwide. So we listen to the people. A power to listen. Art of correlation. Art of understanding the power of a subconscious mind. Many people say, no, I don't believe in subconscious mind. You know how I dream? I think of something that this is what I want to achieve and then I go to sleep. So I I put pressure on my brain to dream about it and find a solution. Wow. 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 Are you telling me that some of your hotel properties first started with you putting this in your mind first before it became a reality? If so, tell us a little bit about, you know, a couple of examples of how that's happened to you. So I'll give you three examples, not too many, but uh, so three or four examples. First example is when we wanted to start our first restaurant, no interior designer in the world wanted to design because the building was lying vacant for six years because of the Asian financial crisis. And it was like uh, a rooftop and rooftop at that point of time was no, 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 no. Okay. And I said to myself that if I stand here and I have a glass of champagne and I look up, I'm closer to my dreams that is to the stars and the sky then wow. i'm on the ground level and wow. we ultimately hired the office designer to achieve that mm. so so a person who traveled first time at by air 45 minutes flight at the age of 21 the person who had to cross the road to get a coca cola the person who asked an innocent question that do you need to stand in a queue from your own bedroom to go to the attached bar? the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Has suddenly dreamt because I had that opportunity because life had never given me that chance to reach so up. That was only 250 meters. To, wow. To dream of holding the glass that I can catch the stars. Wow. And today I can proudly say that not only me, Every day, 2,000 people are holding that glass and looking up and trying to achieve their dreams. Oh, my God. That's like the perfect story. It's like at the core, and I really hope people are hearing your point, which is it starts with you as a leader. Like if you have the courage to believe in the power of your own unconscious mind, and this is not woo-woo stuff. You know, one of my colleagues, I studied applied neuroscience at MIT, and One of my colleagues uh, who's a professor there at MIT named Dr. Tara Sward Bieber, she just wrote a book called The Source about the neuroscience of the unconscious mind. And I'm going to connect the two of you as well, because I'd like for you to be on her podcast as well, because she's written about the neuroscience of this. But what I like about it is we've thrown the neuroscience out for a moment and we're going straight to the gut, to the heart of why this stuff really works. 
is that you did not see this at first. We can talk about all the business models and all the formal stuff you learn at Harvard Business School, but this starts with your heart and mind. Give me another example because I'm loving this. Okay, so I give you another example. We wanted to do a million baht dinner. That is at that point of time, $25,000 dollar plus plus per person. Even today, that is the most expensive commercial dinner because we're not, we didn't give them any gold, nothing. And when we were planning that, it took 24 months to plan this dinner. Everybody said that that's a marketing gimmick and nobody will buy. It was a full house. Because you know what? You have to look from people's thought process. We got a lot of three-star Michelin chefs. They prepared their best dishes. We gave them the best of the wines from all over the world by glass. That kind of experience they would not get in one single evening, however rich they are. So at one point, most of the people are saying it's a very expensive meal. The other part which participated and paid said that's the best experience of their life. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just, uh, just explain quickly again. It's called the million what now? Million baht. Baht is a Thai currency. So it is 25,000 US dollar plus plus per person meal. Okay. And it's breaking news on CNN. So, so, uh, 25,000 US dollar plus plus in 2008, uh, we, we did that meal. And, uh, and also, you know, the people who paid is all about what you talk about. The subconscious mind, privacy. We asked the customers, do you want to give your name? They said, no. They landed at the airport. We went inside the airport to pick them up in the cars with the tinted windows. The CNN and BBC were following these cars with cameras on open Jeeps, but they couldn't get any of the guest photographs. And and the guests loved this privacy. They loved that privacy. They loved that importance. They loved that whole thing. The third example is, When we were doing 1,200 customers per day, we decided to enforce the dress code. And everybody said, you can't do that because we lose a lot of customers. But you know what? A right of equality. You want to be seen with your peers. That is a circle of mm. That's mm. a very, very important thing. And we lost the customers 50%, but we gained within eight months, but with a higher average check. So, so where people say that our place... those who don't understand what is behavioral pattern because not many people understand trust me you would know better than me because you you have that knowledge and the education they call us that we are an idea we are not an idea we are a management that cannot be beaten because we are playing with people's mind and giving them what they want wow I mean, this is completely blowing my mind how much your instincts and understanding of how people want to experience an emotional, excited, they want to be inspired, they want to feel significant, they want to feel all of these things. And I'm, I'm interested in, you know, there's a, there's a great story about how you negotiated the hangover, you know, your property being in the hangover too. Tell us a little bit about that. Again, that is very much uh, unconscious mind. The, means, uh, to be honest, I didn't do anything. And my PR came to me that there's somebody who's a company out of Thailand who wants to talk about a Hollywood movie. 
because normally the Hollywood producer will hire the local agent. So I was talking to them. He said, you know what? Uh, we know that you will not give us the space for shooting because you don't close your restaurant. But uh, the production house president, Warner House president said, there's no harm in asking Deepak. So I'm asking you, will you do that? I didn't even know who they were. But I said, what is the movie all about? <laughs> so I said, this is the movie and this is Bradley Cooper. I never heard the name Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah. and, and in my mind, I was thinking, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? I said, can you write? Can we meet at Labua? Can the shooting be at the daytime? They agreed to everything. And when they agreed to everything, we, we, we did that and we looked after the crew. We looked after the whole shoot. And in the end, they gave us the name Hangover and Hangover Teeny. That is the martini we are giving, uh, for the whole life. And today, Hangover Teeny, is sold at a bar which is 40 square meters, Timothy, at one place wow. only, at Labua, one bar. But do you know you something? Got to be in yeah. 2014, a Singapore magazine wrote that Labua sells more hangover teeny than Singapore sling in Singapore. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> so this is the power, this is the power of dream. This is the power of his subconscious mind when people don't know. When people say, I'm taking this decision in a conscious mind, I just put my head down and I smile. Let's, you know what, this is rich because in this entire series, we've been talking a bit about the theory. Now we're talking practice. Let's move a little bit from your business to your own personal life. How do you manifest things for yourself? You mentioned that you challenge your brain and that you push yourself to think about things before you go to bed, et cetera. Are there any other things you do in your personal life, Deepa, to help you achieve your highest goals and dreams? Okay. So, so uh, if you go to my website, deepakori.com, the logo is let's just dream. I watch movies. And when I see what people are doing, I'm trying to relate because movies, movies are based on reality, even though it is fiction it is based on reality, certain aspect. I see rich people going here, rich people going there, they're doing it. I say, how can I correlate these moments into our business? So, so wow. just to give you an example, which is upcoming, I saw not a right example. I saw Narcos. I became a fan. And then I'm right now, I've just finished the negotiation. I just negotiated a tequila bar deal. And I said, in our part of the world still, not like US, tequila is taken as shots. And we are going to give tequila and a glass to sip with a big tube of ice. So I got that inspiration from that. So dreams, uh, see, I have to look at something to dream. I just cannot dream because my scope of knowledge is limited. Either I read or I watch. And, and mm. this, and sometimes when I'm traveling, I look at people, how they're sitting, how they're talking, how they're eating. And when I look at them, how they're eating, with such a ease, you know what my mind was? Oh, so they're eating like that. So if I give them a fish served like this, they will really enjoy because this is the kind of customer I want in our restaurants. Wow. Just like wow. that. So, 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 so I, I, I watch these kind of things, how people behave, how they go to the shopping mall, how they're talking to the people. And then I create entry barriers. So there are two kinds of people, one you want in your place and one you don't want. But you cannot tell people, I don't want you at my place. You're not allowed. So I create entry barriers. The entry barrier is a price. Entry barrier is a menu. Entry barrier is the facilities. So, so, so when you create these kind of entry barriers, you 60 or 70 percent, you get the customer or the clientele you want. 
when your HR team is looking at hiring people, bringing people into the brand, what are some of the things you look for to ensure that you've got an inspired team that executes on your vision of helping get in people's unconscious mind to give them the best experience? Two questions. Do you dream? Yes. And how do you make sure that you execute your dream? And they're hired. Incredible. Deepak, what a wonderful conversation. At some point, I'd like to have you back to go a little bit deeper into this, but this has been a really inspiring conversation. If, if you're looking into the eye of 10,000 people that you want, in your, you want in your hotels right now, I want you to give them 30 seconds. What do you want to say to them? That's not a sales I'm just going to tell this 10,000 people or 100,000 people or even to the 8 billion that is the world's population. Let's just dream and work hard to execute those dreams because every dream can be achieved. If I can be here on your show today, they can be at any place they want to be. That's it. Nothing else, nothing more. Deepa Gore, thank you for joining us on the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you, Timothy. You have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening and please do go to Amazon or wherever you get your books and order A Bridge Not Too Far where creativity meets innovation. You're going to enjoy it. Please rate the show and leave a comment. It will mean a lot. Until next time.